1: America has a recycling problem. Ever since China banned U.S. recyclables back in 2018, recycling centers in American towns and cities have struggled to manage the massive amount of waste and to pay for the infrastructure and processing costs of recycling. But a new law in Maine relieves the municipality's financial burden by shifting the responsibility for the recycling costs. The law requires that producers of packaging waste, like Amazon and Maine businesses, will pick up the tab for recycling costs, a move that could encourage more use of reusable materials and reduced waste overall. Maine is the first state in the nation to pass this kind of law. One advocate say will likely be a model for the rest of the nation. Later in the show, it's Transgender Awareness Week, a time to reflect on the representation and rights of the trans community. One space becoming more inclusive? Children's literature.
2: There are more novels produced and there are more gender variants that are
0: represented. It's not just trans girls. We are getting trans boys. We're getting... Demi boys, we're getting genderqueer people, we're getting, there's even a non-binary novel that's
1: realistic fiction. Advocates want more trans authors and characters to get seen and heard. But first, joining me now, Maine State Representative Nicole Grahowski, who sponsored Maine's First in the Nation bill. Welcome, Representative Grahowski.
2: Thank you so much. Great to be here with you, Callie.
1: I'm glad to have you. Also joining me, Sarah Nichols, Sustainable Maine Director at Natural Resources Council of Maine. Thanks for joining us, Sarah. Hi, glad to be here. Thank you. And I'm going to start with you, Sarah, but just to put some context to this whole conversation. We mentioned China. Let's talk about what was going on there. How, before the Maine law came into being and before the problem was created, what was China doing for the United States?
0: Yeah, sure. That's a great place to start. So recycling is part of a marketplace. So we at home, we get these materials that we really have no control over what they're they're made out of. We look at the label, we don't not really are sure if it's recyclable or not, but we dutifully put it in our bin, you know, packaging mostly. So these would be like cereal boxes and um, Amazon packaging and just your normal household recycling. And that material would get bailed up usually by your municipality, um, would send that to a recycler, they would bail it up, and they would look for a buyer. Um, Oftentimes, that buyer would be located in China, and those materials would get shipped over there. When people are confused with what's recyclable and what's not, the recycling streams end up being pretty contaminated, and that lowers the quality of those materials. And they can't actually be turned into new products and packaging if they're contaminated. And that's really, that was a really big problem. You can't really blame China for imposing those restrictions. It's really the right thing to do. And it's not sustainable to be sending our waste all over the world.
1: Well, here's a clip from CNBC explaining China's ban, which you've now laid the ground for, of U.S. plastics in 2018.
0: Ever think about where your recyclables go after the blue bin? Well, for a long time, about a fifth of American mixed recyclables were heading across the sea to China. That makes sense since China has the largest manufacturing output in the world and they need the scrap material to create all your favorite paper and plastic items. However, following a public awareness campaign and outcry from Chinese citizens, the country implemented a series of policies to stop your curbside pickup from ending up in unmanageable quantities in China. Communities and industry organizations now have to pay processing plants
1: to take the goods instead of selling the scrap material for a profit. So as we've seen, that was a huge issue and it just got bigger. So here you come, State Representative Nicole Grahowski, and you're thinking about ways of improving recycling and how you can look at some of the costs associated with recycling for local communities in Maine. And what do you find out?
2: So here in Down East Maine, where I live in Ellsworth, we do have a recycling center that's run by our municipality and it is funded, any of the costs of running that, by our taxpayers. So it occurs to me that there might be other people who are responsible for the waste stream uh, or portions of the waste stream, such as the producers of packaging, and maybe they ought to contribute to managing that waste stream in the same way that they do in our state for other materials, things like bottles that are covered by our redemption laws, our bottle bills. Um, We have a whole host of producer responsibility programs. So I thought, well, this is a large part of the waste stream, maybe the producers can help be responsible for managing it. Um, and communities like mine were really challenged, especially after um, the national sword policy from China, to continue to provide the opportunity for the residents to participate in recycling. And people love to recycle. So there was a, a lot of outcry when we were unable to continue to accept certain materials And in other communities in my region, another town I represent, they don't have recycling anymore at all. So people are looking to us for solutions. And in turn, we look for partners, you know, like Sarah to work with and models that work elsewhere in the world to learn from.
1: So, State Representative, did you have a sense when you got into the legislature how much it costs and how unwieldy the process was and how much pressure the ban from China was causing?
2: I think I was vaguely aware. I've been an avid recycler myself since being a Girl Scout, volunteering at a recycling center in Ellsworth. But it was really folks like Sarah pointing out to me the real value here to our communities to have help with managing these systems. And our Department of Environmental Protection has assessed what they think it costs municipalities, which is $16 to $17 million to 17000000 dollars to recycle what we do now, but we know that we can improve our systems and recycle more. So the cost will probably go up as we improve the offerings that we're providing. And so it's fair to ask the manufacturers of these products to help chip in because consumers don't really have a say as to what type of materials or how much material surrounds the product that
1: they're actually buying. So Sarah, it seems reasonable to say if you're making the product and selling it here, you Pick up some of the costs, you producers. But why was this such a revolutionary idea? Again, Maine is the first state in the nation with this law that just passed. Right. So, you know, Maine did lead the
0: nation, followed closely by Oregon later on this summer. But this is not a new concept. You know, Nicole had mentioned that we already have some producer responsibility programs in Maine. But EPR
1: for packaging, extended producer responsibility, it's EPR. Go ahead.
0: Yes, that's right. Already exists all over the world in over. 45 jurisdictions, the entire European Union. Some countries have had it in place for over 30 years. So, yeah, so, you know, five provinces in Canada have had this system in place already. So um, while we are, you know, the first domino to fall in the United States, we're really just following suit with the rest of the world. (laughs) And um, a lot of the producers that are going to be playing into this system are already doing it elsewhere as well. So what was their pushback? Because there was some pushback about doing it in Maine. Yeah, um, <laughs> really the devil's in the details there. You'll find there's a split among the you know the producers. There's some businesses who want to do the right thing and were very supportive of Representative Krahowski's bill. Um, and then there was a competing bill by some, some other corporations who claimed that they did want to take responsibility, um, they did want to help, but when you look at the details of their bill, it really didn't do much to help at all, and if anything, I believe would have made it, it, it worse. So you really have to look at, I guess, what the approach is, even though they might endorse the concept of producer responsibility.
1: Hmm. If you're just tuning in, this is Under the Radar with Callie Crossley. I'm Callie Crossley, and I'm speaking with Representative Nicole Grahowski and Sarah Nichols of the Natural Resources Council of Maine. And we're talking about Maine becoming the first state in the nation to hold companies accountable for their package waste. So now let's talk some numbers, State Representative. How much money is involved here, and what kind of relief are we talking about for these cities and towns now that the law has passed?
2: Sure. So it will take a little bit of time for this to go into full effect because our Department of Environmental Protection has to engage in specific rulemaking in order to determine you know, what materials are actually really recyclable. Um, I think there's sometimes confusion between collection, which is what happens by the municipalities, and recycling, sort of how I separate it. Recycling is when the product actually becomes a new product. So we're really good at, or we're trying to be good at, collection. And That's where the um, increase in funds coming from the, the producers will really help because in Maine we have a lot of really rural areas and it can be hard to have enough materials and to get those materials to market, but the alternative is they go to the landfill, so we really would like to see them get back into the manufacturing stream. So these municipalities need help. So it will be a couple years before these payments start going to towns, but I can tell you that municipal leaders are really excited to know that help is on the way, that they can make the case to their their constituents that it is worth spending a little bit of taxpayer money uh, as a stopgap, in order to keep programs going until help can come and and can improve the systems, right? Because it can be very confusing if you're moving between towns to know what is recyclable in this community. And so we hope that by building up a system that works for all the main communities, main people wherever they live or wherever wherever they move to, or new people coming to the state can have consistent recycling opportunities available for them. So, in terms of dollars and cents, uh, like I mentioned. We know right now to do a mediocre job at, at collecting materials, we are spending 16 to $17 million. Um, hopefully, as markets stabilize, there will be um, increased revenue from collecting those materials. We're seeing that already right now with Boxboard. Um, it was costing my city money to recycle it, and now they could make a lot of money if they would recycle it. So there's a lot of opportunity here, too, as well. And the one thing I would add about that is that We are seeing a lot of corporations looking for recycled material to make their packaging because they are making public commitments that by certain dates, they will have certain percent of recycled materials in their packaging. So that is going to drive
1: demand. And we want to make sure that we meet that with supply. And Sarah, isn't it true? I, maybe I'm I'm taking this personally because I look for products that say this is a recyclable whatever, fork, napkin, you know, and my feeling is why not get that product instead of starting fresh and, and causing more waste?
0: Yeah, no, that, I'm really glad you bring that up. Um, I think that's actually probably what a lot of these producers are scared of because when... We pass laws like this and undergo you know, rulemaking to say, all right, this is recyclable and this actually isn't. And we start um, creating more rules and incentives around um, accurate labeling. Some of these packages won't be able to say re- I'm recyclable on it if it's not actually recyclable. And then people like you won't want to buy it mm. <laughs> because of that. So to me, that's where the rub is with a lot of these opposing corporations.
1: But it would also seem to me then. Then you just work toward having materials that are recyclable. Um, I know that's yeah. easier said than done. Mm-hmm. Somebody's somebody owning a company is listening to me now saying, "What? It's not that easy." But but I'm saying, yeah. It, I mean that's the point. Yeah, yeah. Right. If there's but what? But my point is that this seems to me that by knowing exactly because there's a lot of confusion around this, what is and what isn't, you actually encourage more recycling because people don't feel. Duped in a way or frustrated that it's not actually recyclable. Am I re- misread or reading too much into it, Sarah?
0: Right. No, I think through policies like this, we're going to get a much more accurate picture, much better data, I guess, on what's actually recyclable, uh, where it goes, how much was collected versus how much is recycled. And I think that that'll really help to boost consumer confidence in recycling. I think right now there's a lot of people concerned that the stuff getting picked up at their curb isn't actually getting recycled and they're feeling, you know, guilty and frustrated. And, you know, it's really not their fault. We really need to set up the system in a way that What people are getting is recyclable. Their town can afford to have a bin for you to put it in. And there's accurate labeling on there. I'd like to make it so people didn't really have to worry about this at all, frankly. But right now it's just too confusing.
1: So just to give people a sense of, you know, this is we're talking about Maine specifically. And you've mentioned Oregon as a place that has also passed a similar kind of bill. But again, both of these laws are in response to the crisis. Here's a clip from NPR about America's recycling crisis in general, so people have a better sense of what we're talking about nationally.
0: This is James Williams. This is James Williams' stockpile of 25,000 pounds of his county's recycling. See, what's missing here is the part where the recycling actually gets recycled. Normally, James would sell all this to a processor who handles that. But something is happening to America's recycling system. It's in a bit of a crisis.
1: We actually had to give away hundreds of tons of paper because there was no market for it.
0: This is Craig Hampel. He runs a recycling center in Burbank, California.
1: You might be able to get 20 or 22 tons on a truck, but it may cost you a few hundred dollars just to move it across the Los Angeles basin. I just wanted to give people a sense of just how large this problem is. And it's not just in some states, it's everywhere. And so this is a very important conversation about this move to really get producers to think about responsibility in terms of packaging. Nicole.
2: Yeah, I think it's really exciting to be leading the way in the U.S., but we do want other states to follow. It's, um, I would love to see Massachusetts get on board. I know there's folks working on that there. Um, we hear a lot from California and New York because you know the more states that are participating, the larger section of the whole economy is participating, we can really start to see a change, I think. And that clip that you just played really highlights to me how much we were really relying on other people to take care of the problem for us instead of solving the problem right here in the United States. And I think we have a lot of uh, brilliant, dedicated people. We are always innovating here. And I and I really hope that we can continue to be on the leading edge of learning how to deal with materials and reuse them and create a more circular
1: economy. Well, you're right about Massachusetts. There are several bills that have been proposed in the past, introduced rather, failed to get a floor vote. There are some others that are sort of in process, under consideration, but they're caught up in the in the system at this point. I have a note here that says 2021 could be the year for packaging extended producer responsibility. There's nearly a dozen state bills in Massachusetts in play at the moment. So it is being discussed and considered and given some serious thought. We'll see if it gets actually to fruition as has happened in Maine. Now, Here's what I'd like both of you to talk about, because I really didn't think about the bottle bill that was passed here in Massachusetts in 1982, and you have a bottle bill in Maine as well, probably passed around the same time, as being another example of extended producer responsibility. But that is a case of that. It's just, is it, would you consider that a smaller scale? It's pretty big. I think people really get the bottle bill and what's happening there. I'll start with you, Nicole. Nicole.
2: Thanks. Yeah. So the bottle bill is definitely a case of extended producer responsibility and it is um, packaging. It's just limited to, you know, packaging of liquids, if you will. But the bottle bill has been extremely successful because that is one of the recycling collection streams that we have that is. Really pure. Sarah was talking about impurities earlier. So we know that those materials are actually going to be reused because there is no contamination. And I think the bottle bill was really helpful for Maine people and especially Maine lawmakers to wrap their heads around this policy because we are so familiar with it and it is really working for us as a way to manage that part of the waste stream. And we also know that we don't really pay more for, you know, soda or beer, let's say, in Maine than we do in a neighboring state of New Hampshire, which doesn't have a bottle bill. So I think people are able to understand that this isn't something that is going to create a significant cost increase for consumers because we have this real lived data and experience about similar
1: programs. So, Sarah, between now and 2027, which is when the towns will will actually get the first of this return of money from the producers, if not perhaps a little bit earlier, what can happen uh, in terms of getting a public understanding about clarity around what is recyclable and not? I know you've said that it just drives you crazy that there's a lot of promotion of recycling sort of writ large, but not enough discussion about what that looks like. You know, that's a really good
0: question. Um, this program really can't get up and going um, soon enough. You know, right now it's it's nobody's job to know what towns are recycling what. And it's really hard to do statewide education when certain towns do certain things. You know, I have people call me all the time being like, oh, is this yogurt container recyclable? And I have to ask them what town they live in and go to their website and take a look. So, yeah, the, the education is really difficult. Uh, you know, I'd like to see some more uh, uh, sister laws passed in addition to this extended Producer responsibility um, to really help uh, bolster it. We can look to California, just passed a suite of really, really amazing laws around recycling. And one of them is truth and labeling. So that, say, our, our law in Maine's. Will incentivize more accurate labeling, but the one in California will say <laughs> you actually have to have an accurate label if you want to sell your 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 packages here. Mm-hmm. Um, that would certainly help, but until we get a more standardized recycling system throughout the state where it's a little bit more uniform, that's it's still going to be difficult. So what we're doing is just still asking municipalities to hang on tight. We're you know as an advocacy organization still willing to help and just um, want to keep everybody involved along the way.
1: What would you like people to know? I see in my notes here that you say America Recycles Day makes you crazy. Um, oh. <laughs> what, what would you like people to really understand, you know, to get some clarity around this? Because, you know, actually, overall, I think consumers, it's amazing to do that. Most consumers understand the concept of recycling and are trying to do it in some way. It's kind of become just a natural thing that everybody does. But there's these fine details that I, I am, for one, really did not know until recently. Right. So yeah, America Recycles Day does drive me nuts because it's
0: it's a day where uh, big corporations, big consumer brands, companies get together and keep the focus on individual actions and ask households and people to do better and recycle more. And the reason why that drives me nuts is because people would love to do better and recycle more. They want to do the right thing, but the packages that they're getting are not recyclable or have inaccurate labels on them and that's not their fault or their town doesn't have a bin to put it in because they can't afford it and that's also not their fault so people are feeling really discouraged and guilty and frustrated and that's on purpose is to keep the focus on individuals and off of the creators of the problem so i'd really like to flip that on its head and that's what part of the reason why i really love the significance of this policy that it's an endorsement of of whose responsibility it
1: really is and State Representative Nicole Krahowski, even if every consumer sort of got it right, that's really not enough at this point to turn the tide. That's why we have to have producer involvement.
2: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. As Sarah was mentioning, you know, and get it right, you know, to the extent that they can based on the system um, that is in place where they live is is that's a big part of the problem. But also um, we really need the producers of packaging to make less packaging to make more easily recycled packaging, to be using recycled content, and to make sure there aren't toxics in the packaging. So I'm really excited that this new law has a whole section where there's a fee structure so that if you're um, really doing the best thing for our uh, community or our environment, you're paying less to put that packaging into our market here in Maine. So you know there are other aspects to it as well that uh, we can really see a benefit from policy like this. And it's it's, it's a case of, you know, if each of one of us gets it right, it really only works if we're able to exist in a system that is also getting
1: it right. And to that end, you've also made some considerations for small producers, I, I should say, and we should all say here, that this is really focused on those very large producers. But on the smaller ones, you have some considerations for them made in the bill. How does that work?
2: Yeah, so some of our small producers are completely exempted from this because we know they are not at all (laughs) causing the problem or they, you know, be a drop in the ocean of plastics and other materials that we're struggling to manage. So they're just exempted. And then um, some sort of medium-sized producers have a fixed amount that they can pay. So they have certainty every year, and they can just budget that into their overall operations. And we even have some exemptions that are tailored to um, specific Uh, industries, heritage industries in Maine, such as that you might notice in the language. If you look closely, there is a small carve out for frozen blueberries. (laughs) Oh, wow. Okay. Our our blueberry manufacturers are um, always right on the edge. And we know that frozen blueberry packaging is not causing the majority of uh, the waste stream in Maine. So we were trying to be very thoughtful about the impact on um, small Maine businesses and,
1: and community members. So now that the bill has passed in Maine, those major producers who were signing up for that other legislation that might have given them more wiggle room, are they on board or are you still doing some struggling around, hey, this is the reality now and you're going to you're gonna have to toe the line? Um, I'll start with you, Sarah.
0: That's a great question. I would like to think that they would come to the table in a more genuine way now that the law has passed. I tried really hard to work with a lot of these lobbyists to find some common grounds, and um, they were unwilling, unfortunately. But I, I hope that now we can come together because you know we want the policy to work for everybody involved. And I do think that better policy is made, you know, with the push and pull and with everybody coming together in a a good faith effort. So, I mean,
1: it's yet to be seen, but I I really hope that that they do. What about you, State Representative Nicole Grohusky? What have you seen?
2: Well, um, I'm definitely still engaged uh, on this policy and on this new law, but it is now in a lot of ways in the hands of the Department of Environmental Protection to make the rules. And that process hasn't really started yet. So I can't say how it will turn out, but I agree with Sarah. I really hope that people will come with a good faith effort to try to make the best, uh, get the details worked out in the best way possible for everyone participating. But mostly I'm hearing... Just really excited messages from people all over the country, in addition to people in Maine, saying, like, I can't believe we did it. And they are I know the people in Maine at least are gonna continue to follow how it's going and make sure that we hold these corporations accountable for the way that they have shifted the cost of doing business right onto us, onto taxpayers. So it remains to be seen a bit, but I think it's it's just been so exciting to see how much enthusiasm and just optimism people have that we can have a new way to manage this significant waste source
1: is there something in the Oregon bill which passed after the main bill that you would have loved to have in the main bill a state representative that's a great question
2: i have to say i think our main bill is so fantastic I- I just, I can't even think of, of what they would have put into the Oregon bill that I wish we had. But the good news is in lawmaking, if we find that there's something we can do better, we can go back in and amend the law to continue to improve upon the system. So I think that's kind of an exciting thing about being a lawmaker is if it's 99% right, we can work next year to get it 100% right.
1: Sarah, anything for you from you? I'm really, really proud
0: of our law. I think that it's really strong. I think it's really good. You know, I
2: think... They did
0: put something in their law about um, responsible end markets um, and making sure that the materials sold, you know, didn't end up in the wrong place or polluting the environment somewhere. So I'd like to explore that a little bit more here and how we might do that. But, you know, that could also be a a separate, uh, you know, sister policy, like I mentioned. But, you know, I think what Oregon did is right for Oregon. And I think that what we did is, is right for us.
1: We're at a time the global conversation about the environment is going on at many different levels. We're having these conversations at state levels, as has been exemplified by what you've done in Maine, and, of course, in our own homes as well. And I'm wondering if you think that Americans are at a point, given the whole context, and that we're talking about climate change and global warming in in big ways, to hear and understand a nuanced message about recycling. Like, it's not going to solve everything, and there are ways to do it, and here's something that could help. Because I'm, I'm really fascinated by that California bill that says you can't even sell in here if you don't have a package. So there's, you know, more that could be done uh, around this issue. But sometimes Americans, is, you know, it's black or it's white. There's no nuance. So I'm wondering, do you think that we're at a, at a space in time where, you know, we actually could get on board with a nuance messaging about recycling? Sarah?
0: I'd like to set up the system, the policies in a way that people don't really have to think about it all that much. Um, I do think that um, I've always thought recycling is kind of a, a gateway drug to environmentalism. Um, and That's a great way to put it. <laughs> yeah. And it's you know, and, and it's something that everybody does. I don't know how many, you know, when we used to go to parties, I would go tell people what I did for work and everybody would have some kind of story about their trash or recycling to tell. So I, I do think it's a tangible thing that people can really understand. I think that uh, there's a lot more opportunity for waste reduction and reuse systems. I think we're finding reusable packaging systems where you can go and refill for bulk items or have reusable takeout containers. I think that's kind of the the cultural shift that we we'd really, really like to see, um, and then make the recycling
2: side just just simpler
1: for people to do. How do you answer that question, State Representative?
2: I think an exciting thing about policy like this is it does have real climate change implications. Um, I wish I could remember the number of, I think it was uh, maybe 160 some thousand cars that if it would be equivalent to taking off the road if Maine would meet its 50 percent recycling goal. So, I mean, I think that's really exciting to think about that. But um, as Sarah said, it's something that we deal with every day. You know, what am I putting in the trash? What is coming into my house and where do I put it? So it is a really great way for people to interact and feel like, yeah, small actions matter if, you know, we're all taking them and and the system is there to support us taking them. So many people that I serve in my community are, you know, focused on raising their children and um, working and putting food on the table and paying their bills, and that's what they should be focusing on, not, not stressing at night about, can I recycle this or not? <laughs> so I want to make a system that really does work and is intuitive and easy, because we don't need any more stress in
1: our world, in my view. All right, what's your next step now that this is on its <laughs> way? Um, <laughs> how, how will you be uh, bolstering this down the road, state representative?
2: Well, I I mean, I'm really glad that Sarah mentioned the truth in labeling uh, law in California, because I think it's important that things be labeled accurately for people so that they can make an informed decision. Uh, So I think that's something that I'd like to work on. And we also have a bill that's pending that I hope will pass next session to increase the recycled content of certain containers uh, requirement in the state. So that would be sort of dealing with the uh, demand side of this equation. Um, so those are definitely two topics that are front of front of mind um, when it comes to recycling, at least, and, and waste management. Of course, I have other projects, <laughs> but that would be a whole other radio show. Are you proud to be first? Oh, yeah. I mean, our state <laughs> motto is Dear Go, which means I lead. So it felt it felt appropriate. And, you know, there's that old saying, uh, as Maine goes, so goes the nation. So um, I hope we will be first, but um, there will be 50 or
1: forty nine, and territories coming right after us. Well, that sounds like a good place to end. <laughs> <laughs> I thank you both for talking to me, and um, we'll be hearing more, I'm sure. I'm going to guess that people from Massachusetts might be reaching out to Maine to get some advice about how to do this as well. So, thank you both for talking to me. You're welcome. Thanks. Yeah. Thank you. Nicole Grahowski is a Maine state representative who sponsored Maine's first-in-the-nation bill. Sarah Nichols is the sustainable Maine director at Natural Resources Council of Maine. Coming up, these days the transgender community has been at the center of hot public debates about bathrooms, youth sports, and transitioning, particularly vulnerable trans kids and their parents. It's why transgender rights advocates are pushing for inclusive stories in children's literature aiming for trans children and allies to see themselves in the books they read. That's next. This is Under the Radar with Callie Crossley. I'm Callie Crossley.